Welcome to Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. I'm your host, Sean Bernard, and I hope you've had a great weekend. This is Monday, and I hope your week is already off to a great start. Um, on this episode of Crossroads and Culture, we're going to be discussing feelings and beliefs. Uh, you know, there there was a time when feelings weren't acknowledged as much as they seem to be today. It's it's not that there were never feelings, obviously. We've always experienced them. I mean, we were created to feel and experience emotions, how God's created us. It's how he's wired us. But from what I've observed, it, it seems as though the pendulum has swung from generations of people who have suppressed what they have felt by, by having this mentality of, hey, just get through this. I'm just going to get through this. Um, I'm not going to let anybody see my feelings. I can't let anyone know how I feel. We've moved from that generation of, of people, so to speak, to a generation of those where it's mostly about feelings and allowing those feelings to form our beliefs and rule our actions. And it seems that we've not only allowed ourselves to feel and acknowledge those feelings, which, by the way, it's a good thing, but in large part, those feelings now seem to be the kind of the impetus or the, the excuse for expressing those feelings in a way that, that an individual would deem best. Because after all, there, there are those who would say, if I feel this, and this is my experience, then it must be true, right? In other words, in our, culture, our culture has, for the most part, become, it's become the norm to form our beliefs around our feelings. And that's a very dangerous road to travel and one that leads to a very destructive end. Scripture even speaks to this. The writer of Proverbs says this, there's a way that seems right to a person, and that key word there is seems, right? There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death or destruction. And one of the most nearsighted and probably detrimental cliches that's often heard uh, at like graduation ceremonies, you've probably heard this if you have a son or daughter or a grandson, a granddaughter, brother, sister, whomever. Um, at graduations, you hear somebody that may make the the valedictorian speech or the salutatorian speech or, or whatever, or, or maybe on cheesy shows like The Bachelor, you, you'll hear this maybe quite a bit or kind of this expression or it's at least at least implied, right? Hey, just follow your heart. Reach for the stars and just follow your heart. But the truth is, if you just follow your heart, your heart is going to lead you to make some really unhealthy decisions that's not going to be helpful for you. It's going to be hurtful, more than likely. Now, again, emotions and feelings aren't bad. They're a gift. I mean, just read through Psalms and Lamentations and other books in Scripture, and you're going to see that, that these emotions and feelings, they're not bad. They're re- they really are a gift, but they have to be led. So if you want more of a a more helpful statement, so to speak, regarding your heart, think on this. Lead your heart. Don't let your heart lead you. Now, that sounds like a cliche. I get it. Uh, But there's a lot of truth in that, of what it looks like to lead your heart and not letting your heart lead you. So with that statement, I mean, what, what does that mean? What does it really mean? Well, it means what you believe is crucial in leading your heart. I think maybe the better question for us is, what do you believe? Not what do you feel? Both are appropriate questions, but the better question, I believe, is what do you believe? I, I'm, I, I really think that there are a lot of people who don't know what they really believe. Now, don't confuse what I'm saying with what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't acknowledge what you feel, but rather let what you believe 
give direction to what you're feeling. So if, if we want to kind of make this into a nice, neat um, truth statement or principle, so to speak, this axiom, it would be this. Your belief should be the guardrails for your emotions and your feelings. And when you think about guardrails, I mean, I've been in different countries where it's mountainous and some treacherous roads, um, and there have been no guardrails at all. And it was a, it's it's very scary when you're when you're driving down a dirt road, a gravel road, a road that is full of potholes, and and you're on this mountain on the side of that, and no guardrails. It's a little it's a little scary. You want to make sure that somebody who's driving that vehicle knows exactly what they're doing, and and that they've had a good night's sleep, that they're not trying to you know nodding off when they're driving on this curvy road on the mountainside. But then you've been on roads too that have had guardrails, and it kind of gives you a little bit, a little bit more peace, I guess, because, because it shows you that that it's protecting you from going over the cliff or going over the side of the mountain. And so when you think about guardrails or or our beliefs, our beliefs should be guardrails for our emotions and feelings. So what you believe doesn't suppress what you feel. It gives direction as to what you do with what you feel because feelings are valid. We want to make sure we state that feelings are valid, but they're not safe drivers on this road of life that we travel. And that is the issue that I believe that we need to think more on. What do you believe? What are the foundational beliefs of your life? What do you believe about life? about the cultural realities that you're facing or that we're facing, even as a nation, about relationships, about money, about religion, about God. If you let your feelings dictate those answers, you're going to find yourself being tossed around like kind of like a, a makeshift raft on a, on a raging ocean. So just kind of get that picture in your mind. If if you let your feelings dictate the, the, the answer to those questions, you're just going to be tossed, you're gonna be tossed around. I mean, you're going to have no direction whatsoever. Now, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, then you've come to believe by faith that the scriptures are true about who he says he is. I, I hope that's the case. If you truly are a follower of Jesus, then, then you're surely going to want to follow his words, and we find his words in scripture, and even Jesus didn't just validate um, um, the things that he said. I mean, obviously what he said is truth, but he also validated the Old Testament. So all of scripture is his word. And so so if you profess to be a follower of him, then, then you should have come to believe by faith that the scriptures are true about who he says he is. Um, and and, and here's, here's who he says he is. He's the savior of the world. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. He's fully God and was fully human. He was born of Mary, who was a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was the sinless sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven, to the right hand of God the Father. He will come again for those who are his, and he will make all things new. Those are foundational beliefs that come straight from Scripture, from the Word of God. And as followers of Jesus, we believe Scriptures teach us how we're to live life in this cultural moment. And we need to be really careful not to impose our lived experiences on the text of Scripture but rather let Scripture speak to and help us understand how do we process and apply the truth of Scripture to our lived experiences. And I feel as though I believe, actually I believe that what we're seeing in within the church, within the Christian community, so to speak, um, is so many people that are taking their lived experiences and they're imposing it on the text. 
and they're bending the text of Scripture to fit their lived experiences as opposed to taking what's going on in their life, the circumstances they're experiencing, what we see happening in our society and what we see happening in culture, and saying, God, this is what I see happening and what's going on in my life and what I'm feeling. God, what does your word say about this, and how, to, how do I let that be the guardrails to my feelings and what I'm experiencing, experiencing in life right now? Well, what I'm seeing happen is just the opposite, is that here are my lived experiences, and I want, I want to impose that on the scriptures. Well, that is not a good way of, of taking the scriptures and allowing God to show you the truth of the scriptures so that, so that you'll know how to apply them in your life. You see, in the early church, I'll give you just kind of an example of this. In the early church, Jewish and Gentile believers each had their own experiences and understanding based on their cultural context. However, that did not inform how they interpreted the scriptures. It, now, from an application standpoint, yes, it would have affected how they applied the truth of the scriptures to their lives individually and in community, but they did not impose their lived experiences on the text. Just an example would be in, in the book of Romans. You know, Paul, he sought to bring understanding to both the Jews and the Gentiles and how they were to live together as followers of Jesus. And you have two different cultures here, the, the, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. They come from two different, obviously, different cultures, backgrounds. Um, and yet Paul sought to bring some understanding to both of these groups. So in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul speaks to doctrinal issues, or if you're more refined, doctrinal issues, and also right orthodoxy or, or you know, this, these, this right, right belief. Well, in chapter 12 of Romans, in, in following chapters, he speaks to the orthopraxy or the right practice of these biblical doctrines or, or beliefs. So in both belief and practice, even though having different backgrounds politically, socially, religiously, and culturally, there was a common faith and practice that was consistent with the scriptures. So, so culturally, there were practices that differed, yet, yet they never contradicted biblical truth. They didn't take their cultural experiences, lived experiences, and say, I'm going to impose this on the text. But rather they said, what does biblical truth say, and how do we live our lives? So, for example, the Jewish believers who would still practice dietary laws um, that the Gentiles would, would not practice. Um, so, so Paul was pointing out in, in something that Jesus had declared uh, in that, that the food, that all things were clean. Um, it, it, again, it's reiterated in Acts chapter 10. Paul talks about this also. Um, and these Jewish believers were not bound to the dietary law any longer, but culturally they continued to practice it. Um, Another example, circumcision, right? The Jewish believers were no longer bound to physical circumcision, but they still held to the practice of it. As for Gentiles, they were not required to be circumcised physically in order to be followers of Christ, although the Judaizers, who were people who said, you need to have Jesus plus all of the customs and all of these things, they tried to impose that on the Gentile believers. But, but Scripture was saying that, that circumcision physically was not, was not required in order for, to be followers of Jesus because of the true circumcision, as Paul pointed out in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, and Ephesians 2, and Colossians 2 as well, was of the heart and not of the flesh. And so it, as we look, this is just one example biblically where we see that from the Jewish community and the Gentiles as well, that they didn't, they didn't take their lived experiences, their culture, so to speak, and impose that on the text. Rather, they let the truth of Scripture define and shape how they live their lives as believers. Now, if you think of, about the Psalms, let's, let's transition to that a little bit. And, and maybe take some time and read Psalm 77. I, I don't want to take 
the time here to to do that. Um, but in Psalm seventy seven, it, it, I would encourage you to read that, read it slowly, read it a couple of times, and listen to the words of Asaph, who's the writer of of that psalm in particular. He didn't hold back in what he was feeling. When you when you look at this psalm in particular, and really a, a lot of the psalms, you look at the ones that David had written uh, and others um, as well. They're very raw in what they're feeling, right? And Asaph was no exception. He didn't hold back what he was feeling. He was struggling. His emotions were raw. And he had some honest questions for God. But as you read from his journal, which really that's what the psalm is. If you think about the psalms, it's the journal entries, the journal writings of these psalmists, right? You're going to see that he didn't let his feelings form his beliefs. Rather, he chose to let his belief direct his thoughts and emotion. So I want to encourage you to go back and read Psalm 77 and just see if you can see um, the feelings that he's expressing, but then how he's he's letting letting the, the truth of God's word, God's law, how he's letting the truth of God's character form his beliefs and not let his feelings form his beliefs. He let his be- beliefs shape and be guardrails to his feelings. So, so I want you to kind of look through that and see that because that should be an encouragement to us. So, so a question I want to ask as we kind of think through this and just and maybe give you three things that, that you can kind of think on. How do you get to the place? How do we get to the place that Asaph got to? How do we lead our heart to be led well by what we believe and not what we feel? How do we do that? I want to give you just three, maybe three things that you can think through. And the first one is this daily think on what is true about God. Think about what is true about God every single day, because belief is not a one-time choosing. It's a daily choosing. It, it's necessary daily to surrender your feelings to choosing to believe the truth about who God is, his character, his word. And some, some have called this benevolent detachment. It's, it's not ignoring your feelings, but rather turning your heart's attention to God with your feelings and letting him remind you of who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing. And in doing so, he will remind you of his nearness. Even though you may feel alone, he'll remind you of his love. Even though you may feel unloved, he'll, he'll remind you of his grace and his forgiveness. Even though you may feel immense shame, he'll remind you that you're his, even though you may feel rejected. And in his, and in his reminder, when he reminds you of this, you choose to believe he's true and what he says is true. I mean, look at his track record and kind of, how he's been faithful to you throughout your life. Um, and that's where I feel like we, we don't do a good job of thinking about who God is. You see, the most self-soothing thing, and that's a, word, that's a phrase often used now, is that I just need to self-soothe because I feel a certain way, um, and I've got to do something to self-soothe. And, and, and there are people who oftentimes will try to find that in in, in other means. It may be alcohol. It may be drugs. Um, uh, it may be getting lost in, um, I don't know, work. Um, that's maybe how some people self-soothe in relationships. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways in which people try to self-soothe that, that come up very empty, um, that their soul is not comforted in this. So the most self-soothing thing I believe you can do is speak God's truth to your soul and God's truth is found in the scriptures. In other words, it's preaching the truth to yourself about who God is. It's not your truth because we don't have a truth. Jesus is the truth is what his word says. And so we speak the truth of God's word to our soul 
and God's truth is found in the scriptures. So I want to encourage you to daily think on what is true about God. Here's, here's the second thing, maybe, is let the God who created your heart direct your heart. That just makes sense. He is the architect of your life. He is the creator of you, of your heart. So let the one who created your heart direct your heart. That just makes sense. I mean, each of us need to have some direction and how to navigate all we face each day and that we're experiencing in our culture as a whole. We look at what's, we look at what's going on in our culture right now, and we certainly need some direction. How do we navigate all the things we face every day, whether it be in your work or whether it be in your family, in your marriage, you know, with your children, with your friends, um, within your own faith community, um, with your own personal struggles, the things that you're experiencing in your own in your own life, the, the anxiety that you're going through, maybe the, the depression, or, or maybe there's just a lot of discouragement, whatever it may be. Maybe it's some financial decisions that you're facing right now. Wh- whatever that looks like, we need to have some direction in how to navigate all these things that we face every day, that we're experiencing um, personally in our community, uh, as a culture, in our society here in, 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 in this nation, or if you're listening in other countries, which I know that we have some that have been listening from um, other countries around the world. I'm so glad that you're listening. But even in your culture, whatever that looks like for you, God's Word can, directs our heart. So letting God who created us, who created a heart, direct our heart. I love what Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 5 through 8 says, it's, it's probably my favorite verses in Scripture, my life verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Another way it says don't lean on your own feelings or lived experiences, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That those verses are so rich and and we could take time to unpack each of those things and and that in of itself could be another episode on this podcast but trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not just part of it, but just everything that's in you because he's worthy of our trust, he's faithful, he's proven himself faithful and not leaning on our own understanding. Here's what I will find. When you lean on your own understanding, it is inevitable that you're going to collapse. It's going to collapse. Your own understanding is going to collapse under the weight of everything that you're trying to carry. It's not, it's not healthy. It's not good. Um, but trusting in the Lord with all your heart so we can lean into him because he's faithful and he never collapses, so to speak. He, he never crumbles. He never fails. But our own understanding does. And so in, in all of our ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means to know him, to know him. And the only way we really can know him is by knowing his word. It's in his word that we get to know who he is, his character, his ways, his truth. And he'll make your, your, your path straight. Doesn't, make he, doesn't mean he's going to make him easy. We're, we're still going to have difficulty in this life because we live in a broken world. But he will give us really clear direction on where and how to walk. And not to be wise in our own eyes, but to fear God. And it's in doing this, this is what I love. It's healing to your flesh, to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I don't know about you, but man, I need that. I need this healing and this refreshment uh, because this world wears us down, right? That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Then Psalm 32, verse 8. 
the psalmist writes this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That is so good. If you're wanting to find direction, why would you look to anything and anyone else other than God? I mean, if, if you think about what's taking place, think about what can we trust right now? You look at the news cycles and you're wondering, okay, who do we, who do we listen to? Because the news media, it, I mean, they're not sharing with us everything we need to know. And then we find people who have certain uh, perspectives and biases. And, and so you're like, how do we know what's true? Even when I do research, you know, doing research on historical you know, pieces or whatever, I really struggle with what, what sources can you trust? There's so much revisionist history out there. It's like, what do we trust? Well, here's the beauty of this. Because God's word is timeless, it's relevant, it is infallible, it is without error, it's authoritative. God's word, as Paul wrote to Timothy, is God-breathed, it's God-ordained. God's word is really the only true, trustworthy source of knowing how to find life and how to live life. And so so that's why I believe scripture is so important, is we let the scriptures, we let God, who created us, direct our heart. Again, I will. he says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. Man, that is so good. That can relieve so much anxiety in us and knowing that God says, this is a promise, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. It's so, it's so good. It's like God says, here's the direction you go. And not only that, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to watch you through this. He doesn't turn his back on us. See, that, that's the beauty of the gospel, is that when Jesus went to the cross and Jesus made this statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you rejected me? Jesus just didn't, he didn't just feel rejected or abandoned. He was, and the reason why is because is so that you and I could be accepted by God. You see, Jesus was willing to be rejected and abandoned by the Father because he bore the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders that he took to the cross and he died for our sins that we could have life. He was willing, willing to be rejected and abandoned so that you and I would not have to be. Because of that, we are now accepted. And God says, I will not turn my back on you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And so when he speaks to us, he counsels us with his eye on us. Man, it's so good. So let the God who created your heart direct your heart. Here's the, here's the last thing I wanted to share with you. Practice the spiritual discipline of remembering. There are a lot of spiritual disciplines, but one of the things I think we fail to do is not only do we not think about who God is, but we fail to remember. We fail to remember who he is and all he's done. And when we fail to do that, it leads to an erosion of the soul, right, um, upon which the foundation of your beliefs are going to rest, right? So when we fail to remember, what ends up happening is um, it, it erodes this foundation that our beliefs need to rest on. It's who he is, what he's done, that he's been faithful. So, so here's some things maybe to think of. Remember how he has saved you. Go back and think about when you gave your life to Christ. And maybe you were a child and you're thinking, man, there wasn't a whole lot he saved me from. Well, that's not true. He saved you from the destructiveness of sin. He, 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 he released you from the bondage of sin. I've heard people say before that, man, I don't have much of a testimony. I mean, I, you know, I didn't do drugs. I didn't, I didn't do all these other things. I didn't do all these bad things. So I don't really don't have much of a testimony. Listen, the testimony is not in how bad you were. The testimony is in how good God is and that he rescued you from sin and the destructiveness of sin. 
So, so remember how he has saved you. And not just saved you to salvation, but in moments where he saved you from making a wrong decision or where he's, he's brought you out. Here's another, remember how, how he's provided for you. And there are so many things. We're, you know, we're coming up on this, this season of Thanksgiving and, and I feel as though we've become a generation of people where we have become thankless because we don't remember all these things. If, if maybe one, this is a, an exercise. Maybe you could do is to sit down as you read Psalm seventy-seven about Asaph and his feelings. Maybe also take some time and and just practice the spiritual discipline of remembering these things, writing down those things. That you're like God, you've been so good, and I just remember how you saved me. I remember how you've provided for me. And here's a, remember how he's protected you. What has he protected you from? Remember everything he's done for you. I mean, these are just a few things. There, there are several things you can think back on and remember. And if you're having a hard time remembering, here's another discipline you can do, is take time to silence your mind and soul by practicing the rule of life of solitude. And that we live in such a noisy culture that we really need to, to set aside some time where we spend time in silence and solitude. Um, whatever that looks like, taking a walk, not listening to music um, while you're taking a walk or while you're driving somewhere, um, just eliminating noise from your life, both internally and externally, and just ask God to help you remember. Ask Him to bring to mind some of these things that I just mentioned to you. Because here's what, here's what I found for me, that busyness and hurriedness is the enemy of remembering. When we get busy and we're in a hurry, we don't remember much. It's, it's hard for us to really remember. So take some time to silence your mind and your soul by practicing um, the spiritual discipline of solitude and just remember what Christ has done and what God has done. Now, some of you, as you're listening, you may be unsure about what you believe about God or the Scriptures. Um, so my question is, why not give God a chance? Why not ask God to show you who He is? Why not find someone who displays what you believe a follower of Jesus looks like, and ask them why they believe what they believe. Why not read the scriptures and ask God to speak deeply into your soul? I mean, it couldn't hurt, right? As a matter of fact, I, I personally believe it will change your life. So as, as I wrap this up, um, maybe you have just let your feelings and emotions just run wild, and it has shaped um, your beliefs and thus your actions, right? So I want to encourage you to switch that and just kind of flip the script, so to speak, and let God direct your heart. Let his word be the guardrails that guide um, your emotions and your feelings. And here's what I will tell you, that when you let God lead out in that, when you let him lead your heart, you're, you're going to find that he does make your path straight, that, that it brings a lot of comfort, a lot of encouragement to you. And... It points you to the truth, um, truth that's not based on your experiences because that's not really truth, um, but truth based upon his word. So I hope this has encouraged you, maybe challenged you today um, as we've talked about feelings and beliefs. Uh, but I want to encourage you, get into the word of God. Go back and read Psalm 77. Journal those things that we talked about. And I hope that as you go throughout the day, you will let God's word be the guardrails to your feelings and beliefs. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm excited about our podcast in the coming days. Next week, I'm looking forward to having some guests on as we talk about some different topics 
um, that I believe will be an encouragement to you. Uh, so I'll look forward to you being um, here listening. We're going to be doing some video podcasts here in the near future as well. Um, so I look forward to you taking part in this. And if you are enjoying this or are getting something out of this, I'm going to encourage you to share these podcasts on your social media platforms. Um, you could you can do that. I would greatly appreciate that um, as we want to get as much encouragement to people as possible. So thanks again. And until next time, I look forward to seeing you on Crossroads and Culture. Mm-hmm.